want to welcome you today, um, wherever you're joining us from. My name is Anthony. I'm pastor here at Fellowship Church, and um, it's an honor to be here today. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, we'd love to get to know you. Um, myself, some of our staff will be at our New Here Start here after the service. would love to just say hello. Um, if you're joining us online for the first time, same thing. Uh, shoot us a message or an email. Uh, I know we have people joining us uh, from all over right now. Um, I saw we've got some people from the great inland empire of Southern California, uh, the beautiful city of Bakersfield. I saw you there this morning represent Bakersfield. Um, I, I saw we've got a crowd of people joining from Moore, Oklahoma. And um, welcome wherever you're joining us from. We're glad that you're here. We're in a series right now called um, Suit Up. It's on the armor of God. And we're looking at um, Ephesians chapter 6, in particular, verse 13 through 17. And I'm going to go ahead and, and read this uh, to you today as we open up. And if you're joining us online, we have all of the verses on the screen for you. I don't know if we have the verses in the app today, um, but Ephesians 6, if you want to open up your Bible, that's what I'm going to be reading from. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 17. Paul uh, is writing a letter to a church in a region of the Roman Empire called Ephesus. He's reminding them of this toward the end of his letter. He says this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Verse 11, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. That translates literally to the devil. And we wrestle against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And it says, And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand therefore having put on, um, the, having fastened on the belt of truth. And we've got, we've got uh, this is our friend Jen. He's got the armor of God on this morning. He's got the belt of truth. Having put on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And Paul says, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. He then says, in all circumstances, remember this from last week, he says, take up the shield of faith. I didn't pick this up last week. This is heavy. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. He says, and then take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so I'll give you a quick recap on what we've talked about. And then we'll talk about the piece of armor we're going to talk about today, uh, which is the, the helmet uh, of salvation. So we're going to talk today about helmets. And if you're here, if you're a child, if you're a kid today, um, you should have gotten a pack. So if you have kids and if you didn't get a kid's pack, um, we can have one of our staff help you over at the New Here Start Here booth. There are some bags. Um, but there are these little handouts for kids today. And there's a couple spots that will have you fill in the blanks. And then we will also have you work on um, the, the craft that is in there as well, or the activity. And so let's give a recap, though, of what we've been doing. So here's, here's the first thing we talked about. First thing we talked about is that the battles we fight are not of this world. The battles we fight are not of this world. 
we mentioned the fact that if it has flesh and blood, and so if someone has flesh and blood, they are not your enemy. And so other human beings are not our enemies. Men and women made in the image of God are not our enemies. What the Bible tells us is that our enemies are from another realm. Our enemies are spiritual. Uh, Look at 2 Corinthians 10 with me. We've looked at this a few times. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. So once again, uh, Paul writes that in Corinthians to the Corinthian church. Our battle is not flesh and blood. Our battle is not against human beings, men and women made in the image of God. Our battle is against spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly places. Our battle is against the schemes of the devil. And that's what this battle of this life is. And so what we need to know as followers of Jesus, as people who are people of the word of God, that Jesus has already secured victory in this battle. And so this is a battle that we cannot win on our own. This is a battle that we cannot fight and have victory over. But instead, Jesus has fought this battle and Jesus has already secured victory in this very battle. The battle has already been won. Um, Turn with me, look at a few more verses. Colossians chapter 2. This is this guy, Paul, again. He says this. He says, Jesus disarmed the rulers. Same word he uses in Ephesians. Jesus disarmed the authorities, and Jesus put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And so Jesus, through his life, through his death, Through his burial and through his resurrection, Jesus has already defeated and secured the victory over Satan, sin, hell, and death. And he does that again through his life, death, and resurrection. And as he defeats Satan, sin, hell, and death, he offers to us his grace. He offers to us what we call as Christians salvation. And through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, your sins are forgiven Your relationship with God can be restored. You can be given the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit and everlasting life. And so Jesus has victory in this battle. And so you might be saying, well, what are we doing now? What are we doing here if there's already victory and it seems like we're still in a war? Well, what we do now is we wait for the return of Jesus. We're waiting for the return of Jesus where his enemies where our enemies will be forever put under the feet of Jesus. We wait right now while God is patient. As I was praying, I I quoted scripture that says, God doesn't want anybody to perish. And so right now God is being patient with us and God is using those who have learned of and stepped into his victory to spread the news that there is victory in this battle. There is victory in this war. And so we invite people into the victory of Jesus so that they can have the very things that Jesus has offered us, that Jesus would offer the same to them. And so we don't just wait in idleness. We we don't just wait, just kind of sitting around waiting for Jesus to return and sitting in little holy huddles of Christians waiting for Jesus, but instead we wait on mission. We wait on this mission of inviting other people into the victory of Jesus and into the hope of the return of Jesus. 
And so Jesus has secured this ultimate victory. We're waiting for this ultimate victory. We're inviting people into this victory. And right now, even though he secured the victory, the world we live in now is still broken. How many of you have recognized the world is broken? Like, it just is. The world we live in is is broken. While we await the ultimate victory of Jesus, right now the world we live in is fallen, and the world we live in is filled with rebellion, and it's filled with sin. And so the enemy and his forces that Paul talked about, uh, powers and authorities and rulers and the devil himself, the enemy, the enemy's time is short. And even though the enemy cannot take away someone's salvation that they possess in Christ, even though the enemy cannot stop the power of the good news of Jesus, even though the enemy cannot condemn us before God, the enemy is still right now a real threat to us. The enemy is a real threat to the world, and the enemy is a real threat to the church. And I'll I'll read one more uh, verse that talks about that, 1 Peter 5. Peter says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And so even though we have this great ultimate victory in Jesus, the, the enemy is still prowling around like a lion, looking and searching and seeking for someone to devour. The Bible says that the enemy goes around to kill and to steal and to destroy. And so the enemy is trying to disrupt these things amongst us, but we have this victory that we possess in Christ. And so this is why Paul is warning us. He's saying, hey, guys, you have victory in Jesus. The battle has been won. The victory is secure in Jesus Christ. But right now you need to put on the armor so that you can stand up when the schemes of the devil do come against you. And so he says, put on this full armor of God so you can stand in the evil day. And he says, when you feel like you can't stand anymore, just keep standing. Don't sit down. And so when we step into this victory in Jesus, when we put on this armor of God, we have no need to fear. Here's what Isaiah says. 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah says in chapter 54, verse 17. If you're joining online, those verses are on the screen. Isaiah 54, 17, it says, No weapon that is fashioned against you will prosper. You shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So sometimes we read the Old Testament and we say, well, that's a promise just for Israel. That's a promise just for the Jewish people. But I don't know if you noticed that it actually says, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. That's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And if you are a servant of the Lord, if you have followed the Lord Jesus Christ, stepped into the Lord Jesus Christ's victory, then your heritage is this idea that no weapon that is ever formed against you will ever be able to prosper. Christ has victory. And no one can take away our life in relationship with Jesus. And so what do we do? We put on the belt of truth that holds everything together. We put on the breastplate of righteousness, walking in the righteousness that we have in Christ, recognizing that there is no condemnation for us. We put on the shoes of readiness, being prepared to spread the gospel of peace. 
we take up the shield of faith, trusting in God against all the attacks of the enemy. And then we put on this, this helmet of salvation. And so if you're a, a child today at heart or in reality, um, take out those, those little forms we gave you. We're going to talk today about helmets, but, but before we did all of that, we really got to know that you have victory in Jesus, that all the armor in the world will not protect you against the enemy unless you know Jesus. Once you know Jesus, walk in the truth of Jesus, walk in the victory of Jesus, walk in relationship with Jesus, then you can withstand the attacks of the enemy when you put on his armor, put on these things that we're talking about. And so what's so significant about a helmet? Why are helmets so important? What, what's the point of a helmet? Now, Jen's got these useless sunglasses, and today they're just not working for him. They got way dusty. There you go, Jen. I like to look at your eyes. Um, what's the point of a helmet? Any kids know? Like, why in the world would you wear a helmet? Mercedes, why on earth would you wear a helmet? Yeah, you wear a helmet to be safe. Anybody else, why would you wear a helmet? What's the point of helmets? Any other kid have any idea what the point of a helmet would actually be? Aliyah, what's the point of a helmet? I'm talking to you, Aliyah. Turn around. There, you and me right now. What's the point of a helmet? Hi, Miriam. What's the point of a helmet? You guys know? Why would you wear a helmet? Obviously, right? You wear a helmet to protect your head. Give a round of applause for the smartest kid here. You wear a helmet to protect your head. It, it seems a little bit obvious that you wear a helmet to protect your head, and you wear a helmet. Now, why would you want to protect your head? Little Matt here, do you know? Why would you want to protect your head? Yes, how to keep your brain together. You've got, maybe, you've got a brain inside of that head, right? You've got a brain inside of your head. You've got to protect your most vital organ. Now, you wear the breastplate of righteousness to protect all these organs. But there's no other organ that's more important than the one that's inside of here that the scarecrow was searching for so diligently in the Wizard of Oz. But it's your brain. You've got to protect the brain. So why do we wear helmets? We wear our helmet to protect our head and to protect our brains. Now, I brought a couple of kinds of helmets today. Here's a few helmets you might be familiar with. Um, number one is uh, this one. How many of you know what this helmet is? I, I was actually, my son and I were wondering, like, is this sufficient for grocery stores today? I think so. I walked into a store this week that said no ski mask. I'm like, why? It's this, it, there's no difference. But, but this is, this is a, a paintball helmet that's actually used. Like th this, this shows that, that, that my son and I are serious about battle the two times we've gone paintballing. And so this is a paintball helmet. I would put it on, but it's actually covered in paint. Um, we take good care of our equipment. So a helmet, what kind of helmets do you wear? This is a paintball helmet. How many of you have ever worn a paintball helmet before? It's basically a fog machine is what it is. It's a fog machine thrown into a dark room with guns that shoot paint, hoping that you can see something outside of this, and you, you, just, you just can't. Um, don't be jealous, but I have a 1986 Honda Elite 80cc scooter. 
Our staff at Fellowship Church thinks I'm the coolest person in the universe for writing this thing. And if on a good day, it'll go about 44 miles an hour. And I didn't ride it here today because, one, my son rode with me, and he would not be cool enough to ride on the back. And number two, it's broke down. But if you ever see me riding this, you have this amazing, this, what, what kind of helmet is this? What, um, Sadie, what kind of helmet is this? Obviously, it's a motorcycle helmet. Raise your hand if you have a motorcycle helmet. Anybody have a motorcycle helmet? Anybody have a motorcycle here? Oh, we're kind of like this. We're, we're like the, 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 nah. Stop. Let's continue. Motorcycle. Now, as a 40-year-old man, it's always important to rollerblade. And so, um, maybe some of you have this kind of helmet. What kind of helmet is this? Anybody know? Aliyah, what is it? It's not. It's just not. But, but you were good about the other helmet thing. What kind of helmet is this? Anybody know? Do you know, Addison, what kind of helmet is this? You don't know? This is an amazingly cool um, it's multifunctional, actually. You can wear this for skateboarding, for rollerblading, um, or uh, one-wheeling. If anybody has a one-wheel, I could use it. Um, this kind of helmet. What kind of helmet is this? This is the fastest bicycle helmet you've ever seen. When you wear this bicycle helmet, you automatically gain about 20 miles per hour in speed because of the aerodynamics of it. So you wear bicycle helmets. What kind of helmets have you worn that are not bicycle, skateboard, paintball, or scooter helmets? Anybody else wear a different kind of helmet before in your life? A football helmet, yes. Um, people like me were way too cool to wear football helmets. Anybody else? Snowboard helmets, I think, yeah, snowboard. Horseback riding helmets, what else? Batting helmets, yes. Construction helmets. Are they helmets or hard hats? It's the same thing. Anybody else? Uh, Alex, what kind of helmet have you worn before? Bicycle helmets? All, all of our, our friends online, uh, comment, what kind of helmet have you worn? Uh, Trina Wright, I'm talking to you. What kind of helmet have you ever worn before? Challenge. Okay. What kind of helmets we wear? We wear different kinds of helmets. And an, an army helmet, yeah, a soldier's helmet. Now, in reality, the only time I've ever needed a helmet was not while riding a bike or a skateboard or rollerblading or paintballing or scootering. The only time I've ever needed a helmet was while running, Dwayne. That's the only time I've ever needed a helmet. And I was, I was running at night um, down a, a busy street without a sidewalk. And um, there was a power pole that had, um, for some reason, the, the power company decided that it would be a wise idea to put a new... Um, a cable to hold up that power line and make it more secure, but not tell anybody about it that runs there every day. And so this, this, this metal cable was put up uh, for this particular power pole so that that way, apparently, it wouldn't fall if the wind hit it the wrong way. And so I was driving after just a successful day of uh, running. Excuse me. I was running after a successful day of ministry, running my heart out at, you know, four or five miles an hour. And with all my might and with all my speed, it's pitch dark and there's headlights coming towards me. And, and when the power company put up that cable, they also thought it would be a great idea to put like a board 
at five foot ten in front of that cable so that that way while you're running or if you're walking or biking, you could say, oh, there's a board that does not have any reflector paint on it. There is a board there in the shadows and in the dark so that that way someone won't accidentally clothesline themselves on this cable. And so I'm running my guts out with lights shining right in my face and I've ran this probably 200 times and then smack right into the board. And I wake up about who knows how many seconds later and there's cars around me saying, hey bro, you okay? And I'm like, I'm good. And I run home, and my wife asks, why is your face covered in blood? I'm like, it's just a scratch. Um, but that was like a couple months of concussion recovery. So if you're running, Dwayne, do you recommend helmets while running? No. For me, yes? I think so. I should. There's times you need a helmet. Um, when I was a child, my parents allowed some completely irresponsible adults to hold me in bleachers. When I was like two years old, and they dropped me down the bleachers. And um, it explains a lot, doesn't it, Kara? It does. Explains a lot. And so there's times we should wear helmets that we weren't. And so why in the world does Paul say put on the helmet of salvation? It's because the helmet protects uh, the brain. That's why you wear these helmets. So what are some cool helmets that that, that maybe some like superheroes or, or villains or sci-fi characters wear. The best helmets around. Anybody know? Captain America, I thought about that. I'm like, that really is a helmet. I mean, it is pretty awesome. Who else can think of a helmet, like the best helmet? Thor, I think, does have the best helmet. Only if it's got the wings, though. Wingless helmet is not cool. What else? Star, that, that's a mask. Yeah, Star-Lord is not a helmet. Anybody else that has a smart answer? Um, Magneto has a great helmet to protect himself from the telepathic powers of Professor X. Yeah. Iron Man. It's a mask. It's a helmet. War Machine. Darth Vader. Um, Boba Fett. Really, really the best, the best helmets there are. So here Paul is saying, he, Paul says, hey, guys, take on the helmet of salvation. And when you heard that kind of language in the Roman Empire, as Tim shared last week, they would always thought about this. They would always thought like, okay, we're talking about armor. Well, Roman armor, Roman soldiers wear helmets. And here he's talking about a helmet everyone would have been familiar with. And this helmet would have protected the soldier's head, his skull, and his brain, and really his very life. And so if this helmet, if it was struck by a sword, a javelin, an axe, a spear, a dart, whatever it may be, that helmet is going to protect the very life of the soldier. This helmet, and here, here's where we kind of end this analogy, this helmet represents salvation. This helmet represents the salvation that this soldier, and Jin has some good hair. For having this helmet on for so long this helmet would have represented his very salvation if he were to get struck by something in battle so the correlation here it's just obvious this helmet represents salvation and so while you're wearing the belt of truth, while you're wearing the breastplate of righteousness, while you're wearing your gospel readiness shoes, while you're taking up the shield of faith, 
do not forget your helmet. Do not forget your salvation and do not forget that you are saved. And so here Paul tells us, if it's not obvious enough, he's just saying Jesus is the helmet of salvation. Jesus is the helmet of salvation, and all of the spiritual warfare in the world doesn't mean anything if you're not saved by Jesus. And sometimes you'll meet some weird spiritual people that do weird spiritual things, and they think they're doing all sorts of good, but they don't actually know Jesus. So all of the spiritual warfare and armor, it means nothing if your very life isn't protected And so while you're wearing these things, remember, remember that your salvation is in Christ. Remember you're saved. Remember the helmet of salvation. And once you remember that you're saved, then you can start wielding this sword of the spirit. That's where we end next week. You can only wield the sword of the spirit if you actually know Jesus. There's a story in the New Testament where there were these people trying to cast out demons, and they were doing all the spiritual warfare. They had all the spiritual armor on. They're trying to cast out demons. And the demons looked at these men. They were called the seven sons of Sceva. And the demons said, hey, we know Paul, and we know Jesus, who the power is in, but we don't know you. And these demons beat the guys up and stripped them naked and sent them off running. You can't go into spiritual battle unless you know Jesus, and Jesus is the helmet of your salvation. So remember that. So since we're talking about remembering, oftentimes I'll hear people say, well, well, listen up. The helmet of salvation, the reason we put it on is because God wants you to protect your thoughts. And so this is like the thought helmet, like Magneto, like like Janelle said. This is the thought helmet to protect the devil from attacking your thoughts. And I would say, that sounds nice, but that's not what he's talking about. Yes, we need to protect our thoughts. Yes, we need to guard our hearts and our minds, and we need to reject thoughts that come into our mind from the enemy. But when we're talking about remembering, it's not about guarding our thoughts. Talking about remembering what this is about, it's about walking in that identity. It's about walking and remembering and having hope in your salvation. Because in 1 Thessalonians, Paul talks about it this way. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Paul says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate, and he actually says of faith and love, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so Paul gives us this clue about what he's talking about. He's saying, this doesn't just protect your life. This represents hope. So when you're going into battle, remember the hope that you have in salvation, and the hope is this helmet of salvation that you carry. And so when you're deep in battle, when it feels like you can't go on any longer, remind yourself that you are saved in Christ. Colossians 3 says this. It says, your life is hidden in Christ. Your life is hidden in Christ. Your life can't be hidden in Christ unless you are saved by Christ. And this helmet represents the salvation that you have. So the enemy might be able to attack your temporary physical body. But you have everlasting life in Christ. If your flesh dies in the battle, how many of you know flesh dies? Flesh dies in battle. So if your flesh dies in the battle, your soul lives on with Christ. 
And so I actually have zero fear of death. I've got a lot of fear of like getting hurt, but I don't have fear of death. Because if my life is taken away, my life can't be taken away because my life is hidden in Christ. So take away my body if you have to, but my soul lives on with Christ, Romans 6, 5. If we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with Jesus in a resurrection like his. So in this life, wear the helmet of salvation. In your death, wear the helmet of salvation. And in your resurrection, wear the helmet of salvation because salvation is found in no other name than the name of Jesus. Did you know that? Acts chapter 4. As Peter and John are preaching, they say, hey, you can take away our physical body. You can put us in prison. You can beat us. You can kill us. You can behead us. You can crucify us. But you need to know this, that there is no other name given among men under heaven that we can be saved than the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only helmet of salvation. And as we wrap this sermon up today, I want you to know that this armor of God idea, it wasn't unique to Paul. Paul wrote about the armor of God 2,000 years ago, but the idea actually goes back 2,700 years ago. Because there's this prophetic book called, called Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 59, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah 2,700 years ago, 700 years before Jesus. And Isaiah says this, and Isaiah is talking about God, if you don't catch on to that as I read this. And he's not just talking about God. He is actually talking about God, the son, Jesus Christ, who has not yet been revealed. In Isaiah, in chapter 59, verse 17, God says he put on righteousness as his breastplate. So Ephesians 6, 700 years later, Paul's not just pulling this out of thin air. He's actually going back to prophetic words of God 700 years before that the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God who is coming, he's going to put on righteousness as his breastplate. And it says, and he put on a helmet of salvation on his head. 700 years before Paul ever wrote about this, 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah said, the Messiah is coming. God is coming. He's going to put on this helmet of salvation. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So Isaiah understood, just like we've got to understand, that only God can bring salvation. Did you know that? We've sinned against God, so only God can save us. No one else can save us. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. Church can't save you. Religion can't save you. A song, a prayer by itself can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. And here, Isaiah recognizes only God can bring salvation. So Isaiah foresaw it. The world was waiting for salvation, and salvation is and was revealed in Jesus Christ. And so, kids, you got your paper? Here's our verse for today. It says, what piece of armor are we talking about today? Who knows? A child, what piece of armor are we talking about today? What piece of armor? Kids, anybody? Josh, go ahead. Yeah, write that down. We're talking about the helmet of salvation. And it says here, 
Where in the Bible, what's the verse I want you guys to read today? Here it is. I'm going to give it to you now. It's Titus. It's a book called Titus. Paul wrote it to his friend Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus 2, verse 11. In case if you want to come get ready to, to lead us in a song as we wrap this up, I want you guys to listen carefully to Titus 2, 11. Titus 2, 11 says this. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. That's your verse, kids. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Raise your hand if you are all people. If you're not, like, what are you then? The grace of God has appeared to all people. Even those kind of people and those kind of people and all people. The grace of God has appeared for all people. What is grace? Well, grace is getting what you don't deserve. We deserve death. We deserve separation from God. We deserve hell, but God gives his grace. He gives us something better. He gives us more than we deserve. He gives us life. So the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Here's why I'm reading this verse today. The word in Greek for salvation, helmet of salvation, the word that's used for the helmet of salvation, It appears about six times in the New Testament in that exact form. And Titus chapter 2 is one of the few times that this same word appears where it says the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. Remember, that Paul told um, the church in Thessalonica and Thessalonians, this is a, a helmet of hope of salvation. So it says, wait in the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So if you remember only one thing today, remember this. Jesus appeared by his grace to save you. Jesus came. The one Isaiah talked about who wore the helmet of salvation, Jesus came. He lived. He died. He rose again so that he could give his grace, so that he could save us. It's appeared to all people so that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So have you put on this helmet of salvation? Have you put on the helmet of salvation? Have you put it on? The helmet of Jesus. Have you put on the helmet of Jesus? And here's what I have learned about the world. What I've learned about the world is that there's a lot of different kinds of helmets. Other helmets besides the helmet of salvation, there's all sorts of helmets. And the world would say, if you can just put on the helmet of good behavior, you'll be saved. If you can put on the helmet of morality, you'll be saved. If you put on the helmet of religion, you'll be saved. If you put on the helmet of political correctness, you'll be saved. If you put on the helmet of this political party, this political candidate, this nation, this way of economics, then you will be saved. And what Jesus says is, no, that's all trash. Those things are passing away. There's no religious helmet, no good deeds helmet, no, no helmets. 
that could ever save you if you put it on. All those helmets will fall and break and won't save. But kids, here's, here's this spot right here. It says this, Jesus is the only helmet of salvation. Write that down, guys. Jesus is the only helmet of salvation. And as you grow up or as you're living your life, adults, I'm telling you, you're going to have thousands of ideas that are going to say, no, 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 you're not good enough to be saved. So you need to try a little harder. You need to be a little better. You need to do a little more. Uh, If you read this book or pray in this way or sing this song or give this amount of money, then you'll be saved. But that's not what the Bible says. I want you to know that Jesus is the only only helmet of salvation and when other helmets hear about that they get really ticked off when other helmets find out that they don't have the power or the might to save they get upset but jesus actually says this jesus says i am the way jesus says i am the truth jesus says i am the life nobody comes to the father but through me Every other way will not save. There is no other truth than the truth of Jesus. There is life found in no other helmet than the name in the helmet of salvation of hope that comes from Jesus Christ. And so that's why Jesus says of himself in John 3.16, he says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him, Jesus, won't perish but have everlasting life. Would you guys bow your heads? It's very distracting to speak outside. It's very distracting to listen to a message outside. It's very distracting to sing outside. But if you could focus in, please, just just not give me, but give the Lord your full attention here for a moment. This is the message our world needs to hear right now. And as you leave this day, Sunday, you're going to go into your Monday, and you're going to be inundated with every kind of helmet you can imagine. Every kind of helmet. Politics, religion, news, economic systems, movements, revolutions, armies, powers, nations, flags. I'm telling you, those things will fall away. None of those things have the power to save. We have sinned against God and God only. And because of that, only God can save. And so God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, that we could never live, that helmet of hope, a life we couldn't live. You could never live. I could never live. We'd never obtain it. And he sent his son Jesus to die the death that you and I deserve to die, death on a cross. So all the punishment for my sins, all the wrath for your sins, all of the justice for the sins of the world, they weren't poured out on us they were poured out on jesus he took it for me for you for the world so he sent his son to live and to die but death could not hold our savior down 
Jesus resurrected from the grave on the third day. And his resurrection represents his victory. And it represents the gift of life. And so through his life, we can live according to his will. Through his death, our sins can be forgiven. And through his resurrection, we can walk in the newness of life that is hidden in him. So we did all of that for you. And that's why Titus calls it, it's it just grace. It's just that. It's only something you don't deserve. It's only something you can't earn. God, I don't deserve it, but you give it freely. It's grace. But if someone's ever given you a gift before, there is something you must do to receive a gift. And it's found in my answer. You must receive the gift. You have to receive the gift of grace. You have to receive the gift of salvation. And that's why Paul says this. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, then you will be saved. Scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus says, whosoever believes in me won't perish but have everlasting life. So I'll ask you one more time. Have you ever put on this helmet before? You might be wearing fancy armor, but it means nothing without a helmet. You might be walking in your own righteousness. It means nothing without a helmet. You might be walking in your own truth. It means nothing without a helmet. You might be waving around a sword, but it's not the sword of the Spirit. Unless you're wearing the helmet of salvation, you can't wield that sword. You might be running around with, with the idea of peace and being ready to spread peace. There is no peace without Jesus. You, you might be standing behind some sort of faith, but there's no faith outside of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. The world needs Jesus. You needs Jesus. Everyone listening to the sound of my voice needs Jesus. They don't need church, pastor, this, that. They need Jesus, and Jesus does the rest. So with no one looking around, if you'd say, hey, Pastor Anthony, I, I don't know Jesus. I've never trusted in him. But today I'm going to trust in this grace that only God can give. I'm going to trust in the salvation that Jesus purchased for me, and I'm going to put on the only helmet that could ever save, the helmet of the grace and the hope of Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand if that's you? No one looking around. Say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. Raise, raise your hand if you say, today I've never surrendered my life to Jesus, but I want to do that today. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to walk in the power of his salvation, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Wherever you're watching from, whatever state you're in right now, if you're joining in a home church right now, if you'd say, hey, I need Jesus. I don't know him. Would you tell somebody in the house you're in right now? They can begin to pray for you. They can begin to celebrate new life that you have in Jesus as you put your faith and your trust in him. So, put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on those shoes that are the readiness of the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith. Wield the sword of the spirit. But it means nothing, absolutely nothing, unless you know and are saved by Christ. So God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for those who put their trust in you today for the first time. God, it's your desire that we would repent of our sin and turn to you and be saved in Christ. God, I thank you for the salvation that you provide from the coming judgment and from death through your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen.